0: Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, I wanted to let you guys know about uh, one thing. Pastor, uh, pastor Jeff, who's our founding pastor and our overseer here at New Life, is um, heading out today, this afternoon, to go to Nigeria. And he's going to be speaking at a pastor's conference over there with a few other pastors and uh, just bringing some encouragement and equipping to, to pastors over there that are just facing all kinds of persecution under Boko Haram and, and all of that. So if you just be praying, especially with all the given um, travel advisories and things like that that are going on, just be praying for his safety and that God would use him mightily. Amen? All right, cool. Um, well, <clears throat> we've been uh, in a series entitled Invisible War, and we've been discussing the enemy's strategy in our life and some tactics, and then um, also the weapons of our, war- of our warfare to not just be free, but to live free. And I was, I I watched this documentary about, oh gosh, about four or five months ago, and it's about the underground revival happening in the church in Iran. And you'd be like, I didn't know that the church in Iran was growing. It is, it's growing underground, and um, here's the cool thing about it, it's happening through women leaders in Iran. And can we, just, can we just take a moment, can I just say, take that devil. Like, isn't that awesome that, that in a place where women are so oppressed that God is using them one by one exponentially to grow his church in, in, in a state where, where oppression and, of, of just women in general, let alone Christianity, is, is, is so present. And in this documentary, there is this Iranian Christian couple. And they were undergoing some extreme persecution in Iran as Christians. And they had this opportunity to seek asylum in the United States. And so, of course, they took it as an opportunity to kind of escape that. And after a short time of being in America, the wife begins to plead with her husband to take her back to Iran. And um, I think he thought, like many of us, are you crazy? Like, why would you want to move back to Iran where there's all sorts of oppression? And this is what she says to him. She said, there is a satanic lullaby here and all the Christians are sleepy and I'm feeling sleepy she would rather go to a place where sharing your faith would result in incarceration rape or even death and I have not been able to shake that statement for months now because for her spiritual sleepiness or apathy was a greater threat to her than persecution or even death. This Christian woman would rather be fully awake and alive to Jesus in Iran than to have all of the religious and political freedoms that we have afforded to us in America and yet be spiritually asleep. And I've been wondering this question for months now. I've been processing this with the Lord. And the question is simple, which is this Is that true? Are we sleepy? Like, is there a demonic lullaby here in America? And if so, how would we know it? Because what I know about sleep is this. You don't know that you were asleep until you are awake. Isn't that true? So, like, so if that's true about, about us, about, about, about the church in America as kind of being like this, this sleepy giant... Would we even know if it were true? In the book of Revelation, Jesus spoke over the church in Sardis. He says this in Revelation chapter 3. He says, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And this is what he says. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. I mean, Jesus' words are straight up stark. He literally says, you had the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Wake up, he says, to this church in Sardis. And I've often wondered this. I I wondered this about all the churches that received this letter that we now know as the book of Revelation. Um, Each one of these seven churches obviously received this letter and were able to process through what the angel of the Lord had to say for them, for their church. And I'm sure at some point they're like, hey, good news, Sardis, you got mentioned. You're in the Apostle John's, like, book here. This is going to be awesome. And I wonder if they actually sat down and read this, did they realize that they were asleep? And, and if they did read this letter from, the, from John the Apostle, how did they respond to it? Did they respond to it with like thankfulness? Like, oh my gosh, thank you. Thanks for opening my eyes. And yes, we have been asleep and we have been spiritually dead and we need to wake up. Did they respond to it with awareness or repentance? Did it wreck them? Were they like, yes, oh my goodness, we need to get this thing right? Or was it kind of indifference? Like, you don't know me. Come on. It's kind of an older, when did he write that? Well, what's the copyright date on this book? I mean, come on. That would, might have been like 20 years ago, maybe. But like, now, that's not where we're at right, right now. And see, I, I think that there's this sneaking idea that sneaks into, well, I can only speak for the American church. I think there's this idea that sneaks into our minds that thinks that persecution is our greatest threat. Like removing of our... Religious liberties is the greatest threat to the church. Like, if they take away our, 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 our 401c3 tax-exempt status, then, then we need to stay vigilant over this stuff. Why? Because, well, well, I mean, if they do that, then that means that, you know, well, well what are we anymore? And they, they can't take away those freedoms, and, and that's persecution. We need to be vigilant and watchful over these things. But my, here's the thing. What if that is not our greatest threat? Like, what if... The greatest threat to American Christians is not persecution, but rather falling asleep, having the reputation of being alive and, and being dead, and not realizing it, and not knowing it. See, I think we can be so worried. I was thinking about this as I was praying this past week. Like, we can, we can be so worried that they're taking, you know, prayer out of schools, and yet we don't pray in our homes. We we get we get all up in arms that like that they're gonna be taking, you know, out the, the Ten Commandments out of our public buildings. And yet many Christians can't even list the Ten Commandments, let alone find them in their Bible. Why, well, you can't take all those out of the public building. That's the only place we know where to find them. This would be a travesty, right? Lose them forever, right? We, 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 we kind of start thinking that maybe the wrong things are the things that we need to be vigilant over. And my question is this, if what this Christian Iranian woman perceived is true, and, and if what Jesus spoke over the church in Sardis was true, is it possible to be sleeping in church and not realize it? And to some of you, you're like, heck yes, the guy next to me, he's sleeping in church right now. Every week, he sometimes snores and we giggle, right? Like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Heck yes, you can sleep in church and not realize it. A, because you don't realize you're sleeping until all of a sudden, you, amen, you're awake, yeah? Which is a good thing. You should do that if you head amen, you just, amen, that, just a little, little heads up. If I get some random amens in the middle of my message, I'll know why. <laughs> That's too soon, too soon. But here's the thing. My, growing up, my dad, my dad was a master at sleeping in church. Um, and uh, he was like a stealth sleeper. You understand what I'm talking about? And you, you may be married to someone or you got someone, that you, you come to church, and you know. like Here's the thing about stealth sleepers. We're kind of disillusioned. Because especially those of you who are stealth sleepers and you have glasses, I know how you think. You think that because you wear glasses that people can't see your eyeballs. (laughs) I know you do. You're like, I'm completely incognito, right? And you're just like, they're glass. People can see your eyes. They can hear you. They know exactly what's going on. You're not fooling anyone. So you think you're really stealth. But the reality is you're sleeping in church and everybody knows it. My favorite Sleeping in church story is actually in Acts chapter 20, and it's a, about a guy with an unfortunate name. His name is Eutychus. And uh, I'll read it for you in Acts chapter 20, verse 9. It says this. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus. Uh, he was sinking, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. You, listen, he talked longer than me. And you're like, what? How could it be? He says, when he was sound asleep, catch this. He fell to the ground, fell out of the window, fell to the ground from the third story window and was picked up dead. That's a bad day. <laughs> this guy, he's sitting at church and he's sitting in an open window. There's a lot of people and it's just, it's nice and warm and he's kind of comfortable hanging out the window and Paul's just going on and on he's telling the same story like close it, land a plane, dude. You know, he just keeps going, going, going. And all of a sudden, he just kind of, he dozes off, and he falls out of the window. And at some point, I'm sure, whether there was a struggle or maybe like the second or first story, sometime before he hit the dirt, he had this thought, I fell asleep in church. (laughs) He didn't realize it until it happened, until all of a sudden he woke up. And I'm sure he had some pretty choice words right before he hit the dirt, as most of us would. Eutychus. Listen, Eutychus 2, if it happened to you, oh. come on, come on, that was awesome, and you're never going to read that story the same, Eutychus too, Eutychus, Eutychus, No, it's a good dad joke, anyway, thank you, I hear that, um, here's the thing, are, are you sleeping in church? And I don't mean like like physically or literally sleeping in church. Like I know some of us we've got this kind of thing going on, right? I, I mean spiritually speaking. I mean like you attend church, you like you 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 listen to the sermon, like you give. You may even serve in some capacity, but there is like this 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 sleepiness, this numbness to the things of God. Like you're doing you're doing things for God and yet it is just like numb. You sing songs, you you hear the word of God, and you may even be like, amen, 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 but it has little to no effect on your decision making or your behavior or your relationships or your life outside of a Sunday morning. That's what I mean by sleeping in church. And what if Jesus said these same words to you that he said to the church in Sardis in verse 2? He says, Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. How would you respond? Thankfulness? Would you respond with like, oh man, thank you for, for bringing this up, Pastor Justin, like this, yes. Would you respond with offense? You don't know me. Judge me, judge not, judge judger would you would you respond with some indifference or would it wreck you would it wreck you if you just felt like the holy spirit was nudging you about things that he's wanting to change and that the fact that you'd fallen asleep in church See, the threat of falling asleep in church is not just localized to, to this Iranian woman's judgment over American church. It's not just localized to the judgment in the church of Sardis as Jesus speaks these words over this entire church in the ancient world. It is all throughout Scripture. We find time and time and time again. This is why these words from this woman rock me so deeply because it's this question Is there a satanic lullaby where we have been lulled to sleep thinking everything is okay, not being aware of what's really going on on the inside of us? Is there a demonic lullaby? I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 13. This is a scripture we're going to walk down through, just four verses really. Um, Paul writes to the church in Rome, the same type of deal. He speaks to them about sleeping in church and he gives us helpful ways so that we can wake up from this demonic this satanic lullaby if you'd stand with me I'd love that Romans chapter 13 we're gonna read the read God's word and um, I'd love for you to just honor the reading of God's word as we stand together Romans chapter 13 we're gonna read verses 11 through 14 and it starts out like this he says he says this and do this understanding the present time the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. That's what he's saying to the church in Rome. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Lord Jesus, I pray that your word would reveal our hearts to us. God, if there's areas in our life that we need to be awakened to your presence, awakened to your word, awakened to your calling over our life, I pray that you would reveal it to us today. May we no longer slumber, but be fully awake, fully alive to you. And everything that we do and say, may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So I just want to take some time. We're going to kind of walk down through this scripture together. Um, the first thing we see in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, he says this essentially, understand what time it is. Know what time it is. Now, there's two words that, um, that in the Bible, in the Greek, they use for the word Time. And you have it in your notes today. <clears throat> Those two words are chronos and kairos. Now, they're, they're very different. When, we, when, when the word chronos is used in the Greek, it literally means this, a specific time or a sequential time. It's essentially how we measure time, how we tell time, how we schedule time, how we budget time. It's the whole reason why yesterday was a leap day in a leap year, right? It's March 1st, 2020 at... 1107 in the morning. We know that is chronos time. It's the time that we live by. And then there's this kairos word and it's different. It's they're both, you know, translated as time, but kairos means something different. It means this, a season of time or an opportune time or or the right time it essentially means that like it's an opportunity and the word that Paul uses here when he says in verse 11 understand the time understand the present time is not chronos it's kairos he's essentially saying to us when he says understand the present time he's like i need you to perceive the opportunity that is right in front of your face it is time it is it is the kairos time and there's this urgency in him and we see it all through this whole like portion of Scripture, we see it really in, in, in much of Paul's writing, this urgency to know what time it is. Know what time it is. Know what season you're in. Know what opportunities are right in front of you. Know the kairos time that God has placed before you. The Apostle Paul addresses the church in Ephesus, a totally different church, the same way. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. He says, this is why it is said Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Now, that word right there, just pause. Opportunity is the word kairos. It's translated as opportunity rather than time. Essentially, it's saying make the most of, of your time, make the most of every opportunity, make the most of every kairos Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I want you to notice something here. Notice that the will of God and the call of God are not dependent on your timing, but his. I say that again. The will of God and the call of God are not dependent on your timing, but his. It is about God's timing, not our timing. So here's the the reality. You don't get to determine the season you're in. You don't always get to determine the opportunities that are placed in your lap and placed before you. There are times when your timing doesn't match the timing of God's timing. And, And many times, I wish it would. Sometimes I'm like, God, I know that you're calling me into this, but it just doesn't match up with my timing my Kronos doesn't match up with your kairos i know you'd like me to do this but but i need to hold off and you need to wait because i need to get this job or i need to wait till i have kids or wait till they grow up or wait till they leave the house or wait till they graduate from college or wait till i'm empty nesting or wait till i retire or wait wait till i move to boca raton and if you just wait if you just wait in my Kronos of time i got it all planned out god then in your kairos i will move forward hallelujah i will honor it and what happens is this, when we place our Kronos on top of God's kairos, we essentially put a limit on a limitless God. But you just got to wait until my timing matches up with your timing. I know that you're saying, make the most of the opportunity and the timing and the right time and the opportune time that is placed in front of me, but you don't understand my time. And he reminds us time and time again that our job is not to put a timeline on God, But rather to perceive and to respond to the opportunities and the seasons that He puts before you. Know what time it is. Know what time it is. Is it your time or His time? Are you awake to the presence of God in your life? I think that many times we're waiting for a revival. Man, God, if you, just, if you just work, if you just open up the eyes of our nation, if you just move forward, if our church would do this, if we could end this, if our services would be like this, man, if this, this could happen, if you would just awaken this, I feel that many times we're waiting for a revival and God is waiting for you to awaken to him. What if it's true what this Iranian Christian woman says about us? we just say, she doesn't know me. (sighs) Lay off, sister. Much respect, but it's not who I am. Or does it wreck us that it possibly could be true in our own life? Because I truly believe that God wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. And many times we're waiting for God to do something through us, but we're not willing to allow him to do something in us. Because I'm waiting for the right time where all of a sudden the stars align and my Kronos matches up with his Kairos and everything works. Very rarely has that ever happened in my life where his timing and my timing match up. Where I'm like, hallelujah, I was about ready for this and I just got all this and I got the money, I got the time, I got the place, I got all these things and yes, absolutely, I will walk in your Kairos time. Very often it's me kicking, screaming and dragging saying, I'm not ready. Why are you calling me to this? You know I'm not ready for this. And he says, come on, it's time. It's not time. You're wrong. No, no, no. I got this all prepared for you. Ah, ah, not going. No, no, nah, no. And he says, no. Nope. If you follow me, if you lead, let me lead and stop trying to put your chronos on my kairos, you will find that my light will shine on you and you have everything that you need and you will be provided with everything that you need to fulfill my call and my will in your life. understand what time it is so what time is it well we hear right here in verse 11 it's time to wake up it's time to wake up he says the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber in other words you're late i just found out i know you overslept What I I didn't you didn't I didn't hear the alarm clock. What are you talking about? How is this even possible? I I don't know. But that's what he's telling you. He's like, it's already happened Like the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber Why because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed in other words. I thought I had all this time still I'm a young man I, I I got what 40 more years of my life to be able to do your kairos and but I got more chronos in me and the reality is, the longer I go, the more friends that I see fall away, the more people that I find that die That in my life, I realize my Chronos days are limited. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm guaranteed right now. That's it. I, I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I, don't, I, I can't plan and say, oh, I'm just going to, maybe tomorrow I'll do this. Maybe, maybe the next day I'll do this. God says, no, 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 look, 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 it's time. It's already been time. It has been time for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. How many of you guys remember the days before you got to choose your own alarm? If, you, if you're about my age or older, you will remember this. I'm going to play a sound for you in just a moment. Kids these days are Spoiled and how they get to wake up. Some of you have spoiled them because they don't even have an alarm clock. They have you going, sweetums, sweetums, it's time time to wakey-wakey. I'll just come here and I'll just brush your hair. I'll change your clothes right here. That's weird, mom, I'm 18. I know, just stay still, just stay still. You look so handsome, come on, wakey-wakey. Listen, nowadays these kids are waking up to like gentle waves crashing. Violin concertos ascending slowly throughout a three-minute time period. Listen, when I grew up, you had one choice, Buster Brown, one thing to wake you up, and this is what it sounded like. It was horrible. It was like every day there was a fire you wake up and you're like, oh, "What's going on? Oh gosh!" You know, God, you're just going to spit all over you. No, like wakey, wakey. No, you wake up to that, brother and sister. Like, there's nothing. You, you're up. You're up. You don't get to wake up slowly. You just kind of, you're up. I still, got, I literally get the pit sweats just listening to that because I hate that noise so much growing up. And what Paul is saying, and don't miss this. What he's saying is, you think you have more time, but you don't. You've overslept already wake up there is a sense of urgency in him and here's the thing i love how he kind of walks down through this with us because he says this don't just wake up your next thing you need to do is get up get out of bed and if you've got kids you know this is this uh, this is not going to be news to you you first need to wake up open your eyes wake up realize you're not sleeping anymore and then get up immediately why Because we all know what happens when you wake up but you don't get up. What happens? You fall back to sleep. Right? When I was in high school, this is what I have to do. I would take that horrible sounding alarm and I would put it on the other side of my room so that when it went off, I would wake up and be like, ah! And I hated that noise. I tried to get it off and like one one sound. I would would run. I had long legs. and I I would run. I would just go and I'd like click that sucker off before I could do it. Well, one day I had this problem. My legs would fall asleep in the middle of the night. I don't know why I was sleeping weird or something like that. So one morning, i, coach, eh, I throw my covers off, and i lunge my body, and i just go, <laughs> like, dead. And I'm like, grab the shag carpeting to, like, pull myself across the room so I could turn the thing off. And then I had to wait there for, like, the tingles to come back so that I could finally feel my legs. The struggle was real, ladies and gentlemen. This is the way it was. So he says, not only do you need to wake up, you need to get up. Why? Because the snooze button is your greatest enemy. Ah, just nine more minutes. Ah, ah, just nine more minutes. Ah, ah, just nine more minutes. If I could just have nine, just nine more minutes. And, and here's the thing: even like here, right now, in real life, not just waking up in the mornings. Even right here, you watch people get baptized, and you had this thought. Some of you had this thought: I should get baptized. Ah, you know what? Just more moment. You know what, man? That was so inspiring. What God's been doing in their life. I should make a decision for Christ. Yeah. Maybe next week. You know what? I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finally just get rid of that crap that is like burdening me in my life, and I'm gonna just give my life. You know? Well, hold. On. Maybe next week. The snooze button is your greatest enemy falling asleep and not really knowing it. So he says, wake up, get up, but once you're up, what next? This is so easy. He says this, get dressed. If you've, if you've ever gotten up in the morning, these are the, this is not brain science, okay? I don't even know what that means. This is not brain surgery. You, you literally wake up, you get up, you get out of bed, and you get dressed. Verse 12, he says this, the night is nearly over; the day is almost here, and then he uses these words. He's, catch this. He says this: "So let us put aside the deeds of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light." He uses these terms, and another translation is this word of like cast off the deeds of darkness, cast off sin, and put on Christ, put on the the, the armor of light. How many of you realize this? And maybe this is kind of like maybe this is brain science to you, right? How many of you know? that the first part of getting dressed is actually undressing. This is what Paul's saying here. The first part of getting dressed is actually first taking off your pajamas, taking off that stanky shirt that you sweat the bed in last night, right? Taking off those nasty underwear so that you can now put on clean clothes. You might even want to take a shower. How many of you know it's weird for you to just wake up in the morning in your jammies, your full zip-up jammies with the, with the feet, and you just walk up, and you like start putting your jeans on, and it's a little hard. You just put more clothes on, your coat, and you just look like weird. My son Carter, when he was about three or four years old, my wife remembers this clearly, he comes down. He's three or four years old, comes downstairs in the morning, and Katie and I are down there. He looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Like the whole top part of his body, he looks like the Michelin man, right? He's just like this. And he, he, he literally has probably 15, 10 to 15 shirts, just layered, 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 layered on top of him. And my wife goes, uh, hey, buddy. Hey, mom. Just walking around. She goes, uh, how many shirts you got on? He says, all of them. And he wasn't kidding. Literally every shirt that he owned was on his body. He probably spent the last half an hour putting on every, every single shirt. Now, this is really cute and for like a silly little boy to do, but here's, here's what I was realizing. This is a picture of how I watch people try to clothe themselves in Christ. In other words, like, it looks pretty weird when you wear the same clothes that you used to wear the day before, and you just keep adding more clothes. I've got all this, this stuff and the stuff that, like, you know, I've been wearing and you know, before I met Christ, but now I'm just trying to put Jesus on. He's a little tight-fitting. Fat man in a little coat. You know what I mean? Like, you're just kind of like, you're trying to get him on. You're like, Jesus, you're a little tight on this, right? Well, hold on a second. How many shirts you got on? All of them all of all of the well maybe you should take one two three all of them off before you put on christ and this is what paul is reminding us he's like look before you get dressed you need to undress you need to cast aside to put aside to cast off the deeds of darkness and then so that you can now put on christ put on the armor of light that he provides for us first take off the jammies so that you can now get dressed And sometimes we have this this argument with him of like, no, I'm not going to change anything. Who are you to tell me what to do? I'll add Jesus on top of my old stuff. It's really nice. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the breastplate of righteousness and everything, but I really like this hoodie. It's my favorite. I'll wear it, and then I'll put you on top of it. Hopefully, you'll fit. If you don't fit, then guess who goes? It's not going to be the hoodie. And we go through our life thinking, well, I'm not going to repent. Repent? turn from. I'm not going to turn from, from sin or live a holy life. I'm not going to allow the word of God or the leading of the Holy Spirit to change me or change anything or tell me what to do. you kidding me right now? I'll, I'll try to put him on if he fits. But I'm not going to do anything else other than that. I'm not going to take off, cast aside. Talk this. What? I'm just going to try to fit Jesus on top of what I'm already wearing. And here's the thing, I'd love to change the word of God for you, but I can't change it. I can't change the message. And, and Paul goes in, in verse 13, I hope you're following me in, in Romans chapter 13, he, he, he starts to get into things and starts meddling in your stuff where he should be being. He just gets right into it. Verse 13, he says this, let us behave decently. Now, get ready, in case you haven't been offended so far, get ready to be offended. He says this, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Like he doesn't even hold back any punches. He just goes straight for the neck punch. He just goes right at it. And here's the thing, I hear, I hear all of the reasonings why this doesn't apply to us. Well, you don't understand, Pastor Justin. This is an ancient book. If you want to do business in today's society, there's some things that you got to do that maybe I'm not too proud of, but that's how we have to do business these days. Like, that might have worked 50 years ago, this whole, like, sexual morality thing, but you just need to understand, like, that doesn't work in 2020, bro. Like, I, I understand what the Bible says, but I just need you to understand as well that I can find 50 websites that will agree with me. So, And see, as long as we look at God, the creator of the universe, as a God who gives good advice and has some decent suggestions for us to live by, we will never get to this place of urgency that Paul talks about, of waking up and getting up and casting off sin and putting on Christ. Because God becomes just a cosmic consultant. If I like what he has to say and I like some of his suggestions, oh, I will live by them. But if I don't really necessarily agree with him and I think it's pretty like old school and I don't really like what he has to say about that, then guess what's going to go? And my fear as a pastor in America is that we have turned inactive Christianity into a form of fake spirituality. Where God is an add-on and if he fits, wear him. But if he is a little too constrictive, he can go. And I think that there's many times that there are things in the Word of God that we read and we think uh, that's very clear and we think, ah, you know what? I'm going to pray about that. Listen, there are some things you don't need to pray about. You're like, well, I kind of do, but it's in red. That's an important one, right? I'm going to pray about that. I wonder if sometimes we can use prayer as procrastination to obedience. I'm going to get the snooze button on that one. I don't necessarily know if I have that. I'm going to have to study some more that I'll never do. Why is that not working? And we continue to hit the snooze button in our life thinking I'll get back to that and really using procrastination as a replacement for obedience in our life. And here's what I'll say, and then I'll move on so that you can take a breath. Please don't try to spiritualize disobedience. It doesn't go well. Verse 14, he says this, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. It's this last part, this second part. I mean, we understand. I'm talking about the clothe yourselves with Jesus. Got it? You know, got undressed, clothe him, and then he says this. And do not think about. Don't even think about it. How do I not think about what I don't want to think about? Because I want to think about it, but I don't. He says, don't think about it. Don't think about what you want to think about. Don't think about gratifying the desires of the flesh. What does that even look like? How do I not think about the things I want to think about when I don't want to think about them? Just thinking about that makes me think about it. And he says, don't think about it. What does that even look like? Here's the thing. I think that sometimes we can overcomplicate what God sees as simple. We're Like, oh man, such knowledge is too lofty for me. I guess I'll never understand the wisdom of the Lord, right? We're just kind of like, oh, I'm going to hit the snooze button on that one because I don't understand it. It sounds like too complicated because, but the reality is it's not complicated. It's just hard. You just don't want to do it. I get that. But let's not complicate something that God sees as simple. Something can be simple and still difficult to do. I was talking with a young man this week. We had um, hung out for a little bit, and <clears throat> in the in in the midst of our conversation, we had uh, switched, you know, changed our, uh, um, given each other our, our cell phone numbers, and he takes out his cell phone, and. Uh, and it's an old 1990s flip phone. And I was like, what? Does that work? He's like, yeah. I was like, does it T9? T9 messaging back in the day where you had to go like, I never thought texting was going to take on because literally it was so difficult to send a message, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, it's got T9. I was like, wow, they still sell those things? He goes, yeah. I was like, that's, 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 absolutely, that's absolutely amazing. I said, um, I said what, what made you decide to get that thing? Is it just cheap? And he held it up and he said, no, this is what you buy when pornography is a temptation in your life. Oh. And I sat back and I thought... Now that's a man willing to cast off the deeds of the flesh and to not even think about gratifying the desires of the flesh, to not even give the devil an inch. What are you sacrificing so that sin doesn't even have an opportunity in your life? Well, nothing. I just kind of hope that it doesn't happen again. Well, that's not what Paul says. He actually says to cast off, to put aside, to to, to get rid of the deeds of darkness. What are you doing to guard yourself from the temptation that you know is coming? Because I said last week, the devil tempts us appropriately. I kind of look at it like this. If you know that every time, I know it's really fun to play on train tracks, but if you know that every like 10 minutes or so, a train likes to come down these train tracks and totally hit you, right? You're just going down and like, well, oh, it's just real fun hanging on the train tracks. I don't know what you do on train tracks. You know, you're dancing. All of a sudden, boom. In the world. That was crazy. Huh. Day two, you're just kind of hanging on the train track. Now. Boom. Day three, boom, boom. And you just sit there. I just don't even understand what's going on here. I'll tell you what's going on. You're playing on train tracks and every 10 minutes a train comes down and hits you. What are you doing? So there there comes a point where we need to make a decision. I think that this is a problem. Walking on this train track seems to always end with me being hit by a train. In fact, this is gonna be brain science for you. Maybe I need to take a step in the other direction. And get off the train track and start walking in a new way, in a new direction. This is what repentance is, where we turn away from the things that have been sin in our life and choose to walk in the opposite direction. Why? Because that train is going to hit you every single day. And and listen, if you get hit and you haven't done anything to protect yourself, don't be surprised. I just don't understand. It's crazy. The train is sneaking up on me. It's not sneaking up on you, dude. literally 10 minutes on the time on the minute it's the chronos it's not even the kairos it is on the minute you know when it's going to hit you what are you doing to put in your life so that you not even think about gratifying the desires of the flesh because it's not very popular to talk about this in america but throughout the bible we're told to do this the r word it's called repent it essentially means that we turn away from sin the thing that just continually mows us over And we turn towards God. We choose to walk in a different direction. We don't walk in the same pathway of sin that has led to destruction that we know is coming. And we choose to walk in an opposite direction, which means you might have to flip phone some things. What do you mean? I'm going to take this off in my hoodie. It means you might need to cast aside some things. This word, this R word, John the Baptist said it. He says, Repent and be baptized. Jesus preached it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near you. Repent and believe the good news. The Apostle Peter says this Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Christian, let me tell you, there is power in your repentance. And it's not just being sorry. That's great. It's choosing to walk a different way because it is impossible to follow God and yet also follow ourselves and yet also follow someone else. He says, repent, 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 repent. In other words, like, God never wanted to be the Lord of your Sundays. He actually thinks that he should be Lord of your life. And if we think about it, anything less than that seems silly i mean like okay maybe you're in here today you don't believe in this jesus thing and and i get it and you're kind of at this place you're like i just came here because they're taking me out to lunch are you almost done like i'm hoping that we're going to some place good because you're going long right like you're in this place here's the thing what we're talking about though is is the creator of the universe the god who knit you in your mother's womb this, this, this God who has picked you up and called you a son or daughter of the Most High King, this same God, it, wouldn't it be silly for us to just be like, yeah, I'll give you Sundays, hour and a half tops, uh, twice a month. You can be the Lord of my Sundays. Are you happy with that, God, creator of the universe, creator of me and all the breath that I have and everything that I own, everything that I get? You good with that? Yeah, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? When we say it out loud, it's like, yeah, that would be kind of weird. What if your kids treated you that way? I don't think so, buddy. I am your father. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. That's what my dad used to say to me. It's, just, it's this, this reality that, like, God wants to be more than just the Lord of your Sundays. Why don't you stand with me? Whew. So I want to end with this. I was, I was praying about, it. There, there are four groups of people in here today. You're like, four? Yes, four. Um, there might be more, but I'm just going to deduce it down to four groups of people. Um, there, there's the first group of you that, well, you're just happy I said, let's stand up, because that means you're one step closer to going to lunch, and, um, and you're still asleep. Really? I mean, you're still asleep, and you're not going to repent, and you're not going to pray, and I'm not going to ask you to, and that's, that's okay. Okay. There's a second group of people in here that, um, man, you are all in. Like, you're like those people that just got baptized. You're like, man, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I am, I'm surrendered to Jesus Christ. I know that I am a son or daughter of the Most High King, and I don't have everything figured out, and I'm certainly not perfect, and I struggle just like everybody else, but I repent, and I follow Jesus. Here's what I would say. If God's not bringing anything up to you right now, if there's nothing that he's like, hey, I'm wanting you to work on this in your life, if there's a sin issue, or there's something you need to cast aside or you need to wake up in some area, if, if God's not speaking to you about anything right now, here's what I would ask you to do. Would you start interceding and praying for people in here? Just be praying for decision, for, 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 for awakeness, awareness of the kairos time that is before us. Just be interceding for people. If God's not speaking to you about anything in particular. And there's a third group of people, and, and you're, you're a believer in Jesus, but you've been playing games. And, and you know it. Like, you know you've been sleeping in church. Right? Like, you, you're kind of in this place, and you know that there are some things that you need to cast aside, and you're just trying to put Jesus on. He's a little tight. Maybe I just kind of take him off when I leave, and then I'll come back on Sunday and try to squish him on Man, it seems like Jesus is a little small for me, right? And you just know there are some things that you've needed to, to kind of like cast aside, but you look like Carter with 15 T-shirts on, with Jesus on top, and you know that something has to give, but up until this point, the thing that has had to give was Jesus. He's kind of taking, he just doesn't fit right when I'm outside, but he, he's okay on Sundays. I can wear him for about an hour and a half and feel what this feels like. I'm gonna ask you just a moment to just to just, if that's where you're at, and that's where your heart is, and you just feel like God's speaking to you about something, to just pray this prayer of surrender with me. In other words, you're just saying like, God, I'm going home with you. I- I'm taking you into my work. I'm taking you into my relationships. I'm taking you into places that I don't want you really involved in. I'm taking you into my sex life, and I'm taking you into my finances, and I'm taking you home. I'm actually choosing to put you on and keep you on. And then there's there's a fourth group of you that, and you, like this is your first Sunday. Hi. Man, this is really intense. Maybe this is like your third weekend. But here's the thing. There is something that is like aching on the inside of you that's like, I want that. Like I don't think I'm ready and I certainly don't feel like like this is... I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this, but I, I, I desperately need that. Like, if I can have this hope, if I can have this joy, if this is even possible in my life, man, this is what I'm here for. Because I'm, I'm sick of trying to do this fake religious crap, but if this is real, man, sign me up. Sign me up. I don't know what this looks like, and I'm scared to death. But if that grace and forgiveness is real and the joy is real, then I I need it. And here's what I want to say. Maybe this is the first time you've ever prayed this. Maybe for some of you there's a place where you just know you need to cast off things in your life. I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Just close your eyes. It's between you and the Lord. Don't worry about who's in front of you, who's beside you, who's wondering. Are you praying this? Because I am. Don't worry about anything else other than your relationship with God as you've been awakened to his presence today. And you're responding to the Kairos time that is right before you. There's nothing magical about this prayer. This is just your heart crying out to God. And look, I'm just going to give you some words, and you can repeat after me, make it your own, whatever that looks like, but it's simply this. God, thanks for bringing me here today. You know I needed this. And you know that I've been asleep, and I've been trying to do this life on my own, my own way expecting and hoping you to just bless me. And I'm sorry for that. And today I ask that you would take my life. Would you please forgive me? And I choose today to turn away from my sins and to turn towards you. Thank you for sending your son to die for my sins. And I ask that today you would teach me how to walk with you from this day on. I'm all in. I'm all in. Give me the strength to walk out of here today and not make you just Lord of my Sundays. but to make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, whether this is the first time you prayed it, or this is, this is a place where you've just, you've come to this crossroads before, you hit the snooze button. and You hit the snooze button, you hit the snooze button, you hit the snooze button. I just want to encourage you, just like the Apostle Paul says, as you are awake, get up, get dressed, Cast off the deeds of darkness and put on Christ because you've got a lot to do. God has called you not for the chronos time that you'd like to do it in, but the kairos time that he's placed before you. He has placed opportunity in front of you. He has placed individuals in front of you. He has placed a, a wife or a husband in front of you. He has placed your kids in front of you. Listen, do not fall asleep to the responsibility that you have right in front of you. Husband, Love your wife. Wife, love your husband. Make sure that you are doing the thing that is right in front of your face and don't fall asleep to it. So Jesus, I pray that today would be a would be a day of new beginnings. Lord, I pray that today would be a day where we would walk out of this place and apply that which you've spoken over our life. I pray we do it scared. I pray that you would help us to cast aside and to take off the deeds of darkness and to make no room to think about how to desire or gratify the desires of the flesh. Lord, I pray that some of us would have to flip phone some things in our life today. Even though it doesn't make sense and even though it's hard, it's not complicated. It's just hard. So Jesus, take my life and let it be offering to you. God, I pray that you would bring glory to your name through people that desperately are running after you and following hard after you. As we worship here today, church, I just want to encourage you, do something different. Do something different. Look, you're going to keep doing the same things that you've always done. You're going to get the same results you've always got. I just want to encourage you, as we worship here today, maybe for you, it's you just get down on your knees. Maybe for you, you come up here at the front. Maybe for you, you lift a hand, two hands, both hands, both arms, whatever that looks like for you. I just want to encourage you, do something different as the Lord leads you. Don't be afraid to launch out into everything that God has for you. The Kairos time is before you. So, Lord, I thank you. I pray that we would walk in courage and unity that we would realize what time it is in our life and in our society. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together, church.